place I gotta preach. I gotta look good too while I preach because I'm that vain. Thank you so much for loving us. And uh, Jason, my husband and I, we greet you. We're so thankful for you. I'm gonna save my sentiments to the end because I won't preach. <laughs> Somebody asked me today, what's your favorite memory of the gate? And it was funny because I chose something funny because it, it's easier for me. <laughs> it's easier if you can choose something funny. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you in case you didn't catch it on Gate Happenings because it's about my dad and it's my it's one of my favorite memories of the gate. My Probably my absolute favorite memory of the gate is the Sunday we became the gate. The Sunday we became the gate. And you would say, well, maybe you're new and, and you don't you weren't here at that time and that's what I love about God is the continuum of, of the Lord and your ability to to get in on something in the 11th hour right I mean there's something great and special about that but I'll never forget the day that uh, and I'm not being negative but the day that we were able to take off the old man and put on the new man I can still remember we we kept everyone in the lobbies that morning. It was eight years ago now. Well, it was September. Will be eight, eight or nine years ago. Nine years ago, actually. We kept everybody out in the lobbies, and uh, I'll never forget it. We had balloons, and some of you were here. I'm looking at your faces, and I know you were here. And I remember when we opened the doors, and we just began to come in to worship. Some of you, do any of you remember this? We just came in to worship. And it was just like God broke open something new. Just like that, just like that. It wasn't the balloons, it wasn't the name. It was just that Kairos act and moment that changed everything. And uh, I, I remember that as probably my most favorite memory because I believe that the day that that, that happened, we set a new course in Oklahoma City. Because see, listen, there's something that you need to know prophetically in the atmosphere. This city has had a violation of pastors throughout the history of it. And it has had families broken up more than almost any city in America, where there have been people who have come as family units to pastor. And before the end of their tenure, they're divorced. Their, their children aren't in church. Their kids are divorced. They don't have a relationship with their children. This is the history of our city. It's the history of the pastors in our city. I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm trying to help us see why God brought us here. Now, don't get me wrong. We got our problems. But at the end of the day, I believe wholeheartedly that our family has had its focus in the direction of God. And that has been the game changer, the game changer. So that's my most favorite memory. But my second most and the funny one, and that's what I'll talk about just for a second, and then I'll start, is... Several years ago, we would want to do family Sundays. Now, this was not, I get to talk about my dad now. This was not dad's forte, was it, mom? Dad didn't do family Sunday well. Not because he didn't love his family. He loved his family. But he was atmospheric. So whatever he was feeling, he wanted to preach, you know. Like he didn't want to have like family Sunday preaching. He wanted to just preach whatever was in him. So family Sunday, no family Sunday. I mean, whatever was there is what he was going to give. And normally it had worked itself out. There was not a problem in the midst of that on all other occasions except this one. 
So this time we had actually decided to give everybody a handout who was 12 and under. And if they filled out all the points of Bishop's sermon, they were gonna get an ice cream cone in the back that day. So it was a clever little way that we were getting everybody to enjoy and be a part of it. And it was fantastic. So of course, none of us really knew dad's points that day because I, at that point we weren't really sharing things like we do now on Google documents. And so dad gets up that morning and he says, I'm gonna talk about one more night with the frogs now the sermon title in itself automatically you're thinking what is that was well, out of the book of Exodus and he decided to talk about damnation and cursing God on his truth God on his truth I can still remember my daughter sitting down with her little pen and writing down damnation cursing is real I remember finishing that sermon, and don't get me wrong, people were ministered to, and I believe there were lots of things that happened, including our kids coming to know that curses are real. And, and that day we went back to the back and every one of us family members, every single one of us looked at that and said, are you serious? Like out of all services, family Sunday is when you decided to do these points. And he did exactly what he always did because he loved being made fun of by us. He was sitting down in his big belly right here and he just <laughs> because he loved to chuckle, particularly when we would just make fun of him. That's one of my favorite memories. Well, I believe I have a word from God for you today. Are you ready to receive? Amen. Why don't you just turn with me to Isaiah 54, a familiar scripture, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, and when you get there, would you just stand for the reading of the word? Isaiah 54, starting in verse one. I'm reading out of the New King James. You can follow along on the screen or on your phone, whatever's easiest. Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren one, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and you will make the desolate cities inhabited. Verse four, do not fear for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and we will not remember the reproach of your widowdom anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Lord, I thank you for the ability to preach and teach today. I thank you for the ability to communicate your word. I'm asking you today that as people of your governance, that you will open our ears to hear you'll unlock our eyes to see. You'll cause our hearts to be shifted. Lord, I thank you that you're taking the gate church to a new level. You're breaking glass ceilings. You're causing us to walk 
on the water that's in front of us. You're making water concrete just for us. We bless you today. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Here's where I'm going today. I want to talk about embracing the stretch. Embracing the stretch. All right. Tell someone you're embracing the stretch. Embracing the stretch. This is a familiar passage of scripture. It's coming out of a time in the history of Israel when Israel has gone through a very desolate place. Barrenness is different than anything else you experience because it's not just something that you experience because you don't have something. It's not a withholding. It's actually when you're doing something that should produce, but your results are continually less than what you know the expectation should be. In other words, it's unfruitfulness with unsatisfaction. It's a place in our life when we're doing everything right and yet at the exact same time, we're getting nowhere for it. Maybe I'm the only one that's experienced those seasons, those seasons when I should be getting a different result than what I'm getting, but the result that I'm getting is really the thing that's frustrating me because it's really a barrenness that I'm feeling. It's something that I cannot seem to be able to break. Everything that I'm going for seems as if in some way I can't make any headway. And I want to talk for the next few minutes, and it's probably not going to be the most eloquent, and I'm hoping that you walk away and your life is challenged. But above all, I want to talk prophetically into the house because I know this house, and I know I carry it in my heart, and I know where it's supposed to go. And I'm going to tell you, we've got to get past the days of working hard and getting little. We will no longer be a people who constantly toil with little results because I believe God is changing the tides from being low tide to high tide, being less than than to more than enough. My dad used to say, you can live at the bottom of the barrel or the top of the barrel. They both come with the same ingredients. And here's what I'm saying to you and I today. The barrenness that we have felt over Oklahoma City and the Gate Church, I believe God is causing to be shifted off of us, but it will not be through a silent church. It is not going to be through a people who do not know how to open their mouth. It will not be because you and I just did something supernatural and super right. It's not going to be because we're more religious than the people down the street. It's not going to be because we have more of the Holy Spirit than our next door neighbor. It's going to be because the Lord has become our husbandman and he's decided to take our failure and turn it into something glorious. He's decided to take what is less than and make it into something more than not because you and I are great but because we serve a great big God I believe that Isaiah 54 is over this house we are coming out of our barren place and we are singing into our new place that is why when we get up and talk about a sound we say there is a sound over the house that is not some kind of mm, that is a voice from heaven that you begin to yield to in your own mouth and you begin begin to sing something you've never sang before because what's going to break open the atmosphere is not a new worship song by Hillsong. It's not going to be something from Maverick. It's going to be the presence of the song of the Lord on the inside of some people who no longer want to live in their barren place. I don't know about you, but I am sick of looking behind me and seeing a little bit of fruit. I am ready to come into the most fruitful place in my life. Barrenness, break, break.
voice of the Lord over this house is what we have experienced is nothing to what is coming. We must not get lost in our expectations and make peace with our disappointment. Because all of a sudden what will happen is, as soon as we do that, we begin to lower the bar of our expectation of God. And before long, we were meant to birth many, but we were okay birthing one. Listen to me, birthing is painful. But I am so grateful that I didn't remember the second time I got pregnant how bad it was the first. Now I'm one of those gals that I've got more issues with a needle going in my spine than I did the pain of the birth. That that's just me. I'm not not better than or less than. That's just the way I was made. And so I decided I was going to just see that thing all the way through. Now some people that's not their thing. That was my thing. My thing was I'm going to feel this sucker because there ain't no way I'm not going to feel my legs 12 hours after I'm done here. But you know what happens is when you are beginning to birth into something new, there is a season of change. In other words, change is a decision. The moment I found out I was pregnant, things changed. Everything changed. Nobody had to like tell me, now a month from now, you're gonna think you're pregnant. I mean, it was changed right then, that moment, right then. But here's the key, pregnancy is transitional. You got to live out some seasons to get to the fullness of what has just changed. God is bringing us into a place that we are aware of the change. We are now pregnant, but we have to live out some things so that we can get to the birthing through the transition so that God can bring us into the fullness of the thing that we know now has changed. So when God begins to deposit in us that he's breaking off something, God never breaks something off of our life without depositing something back. He never comes and says, I'm removing something without giving something. So when he tells us that he's breaking barrenness off of us, he even give us, gives us part of the strategy on how we're going to get out of it. He tells us it's going to be a song, it's going to be a sound on how we're going to get out of it. In other words, you're going to start knowing you're out of this barren place when you begin to sing something different than you've always sang. You know what, I'm going to break it down to you to 2021. 20, when you stop posting the stuff you post and you start sounding different on your Facebook, that might be an indication that you might believe the word of the Lord. When you stop complaining to your coworkers at the coffee bar, that might be an indication your song has changed. It may be that you don't have to text that person after you were just offended and tell them how terrible and awful and horrific it was. Maybe the song isn't Isaiah 54 where you get up in front of everybody like Ashley and you sing the house down. It may be just the sound of what you sound like on an average day and if God's gonna break the barrenness off of us he's trying to get us to not only know the strategy he wants us to understand that I'm not just removing something I'm also requiring something God never says to us he's going to remove it and not make some requirements of responsibility on us so he comes along in scripture of Isaiah 54 and he tells us, here's the strategy. The strategy is going to be your song, whether or not you can sound different. This is the strategy on whether or not I can impregnate you. I need to be able to trust your words. Because see, listen, a lot of us, when we're feeling in barren places, we don't want to talk about nothing. 
Don't talk to me about being fruitful. Don't even bring fruitful people around me. I don't want to talk to nobody doing good. I don't want to talk to nobody succeeding. I just talk to myself. None of nobody honest in this section. But the voice of the Lord was, I'm going to give you a song. That song's going to push you through. It's going to teach you how to have faith in the midst of something. And then here's the key. But I got some things I need from you. I need you to stretch. I need you to get out of your dwelling and enlarge it for me. The question mark becomes, can we not only remove our barrenness, but can we do what's necessary to stretch? Now, I'm not great at going to the gym. I want to make that super clear. In fact, I believe it's better as a man's name. It's the only gym I know. But I'm not offended by this because this is who I am. So just take it for what it is. But I do know this. When you go to a gym, there are certain pieces of equipment that you get on that when you stretch on it, when you push it, it causes resistance and tension. And the more you push it, the more that little, that little uh, piece next to you stretches out. It's not easy. But if you do it consistently, whatever it is that you are stretching, whatever it is you're using as your force becomes stronger. So when the voice of the Lord came and he said, I'm going to take your barrenness away. I'm going to take away your little fruit and give you much fruit. I'm going to have the people that have been looking at you the whole time thinking that you could never become something. Listen, all eyes are on us. Y'all missed it. All eyes are on us because people want to know whether or not we can stretch through this place or whether or not we're going to back up and just become comfortable where we're at. It is not about attendance. It is not about God. It is not about great preaching. People are watching to see how we handle the moment we're in. And the question becomes, can we stretch through the moment? Can we handle the muscular tension that we have to have in order to grow past where we're at? Can we handle the equipment that God is giving us to push ourselves into the next dimension? Here is the key. Can you get outside of your house and build a bigger one, or are you just satisfied in yours years ago I was preaching in California and I picked up the newspaper and the newspaper was interesting because on the newspaper it had a, a little a little story of a woman who had a lot of money and she had they had just come and gotten her she was a hoarder okay she had a lot of money but she was a hoarder and they had come and done this huge story on her because when she passed she had like piles of things where she literally had to navigate through her house like this, navigating through it. There was just so much stuff. But she was living in this small little house, kind of like a pool house, behind her home. And her home was completely empty. Now, it was full of furniture, but it was empty from anyone living there. And, and when they came and they did the interview with her children, they asked, it was just this fascinating little thing, and they asked the, the children, they said, why is it that your mom, she, she's living in the pool house? And, and they said this, well, whenever my dad died, she couldn't handle living in anything big. It was, the emptiness was too vast. 
So she wanted to live where she was comfortable. Now, I'm going to turn that into you and I. She owned the bigger house. Her belongings were in the bigger house. But because she could not deal with what felt like a loss she could not recover from, she couldn't deal with the vastness of something and believe that her life was enough to fill it. Now see, some of us, we'd rather have tight quarters because we can control them easier. The more space, the more corners. The more corners, the more dark places that we can't see around the corner in. But here's what I've come to tell you. The day of you dwelling in your pool house is over. The day of you being satisfied in the one-bedroom apartment is over. God said he's giving you the house. He's asking whether or not you can stretch yourself to believe that in this moment, when you feel like it's too big for you, whether or not you believe you're a big enough person to occupy what is already big in you. Can you stretch? So I want to talk about three things really, really quickly. Y'all okay? In order for us to make the stretch into the next at the gate church, one, we're going to have to know what from the past to bring into our future. In order to stretch into the next, we have to know what from our past should we bring into our future. Now, I want to talk about this because, see, we tend to do things like this. My past is over. I certainly hope that everything in your past you don't lose. I do not want to go back and redo the last 25 years of my life and have to regain all the wisdom that I gained the first time. But sometimes we make blanket statements about things that actually remove the foundation of something that could help us build quicker and more efficiently because we just don't like how we got to that wisdom. Talk on this side. Here's an example for you. First Samuel chapter 17 talks about David. David comes in, we all know the story. David comes in, Saul's trying to figure out who's gonna go up against Goliath, the whole, the whole country had been shut down, watching him from tents, letting him come out and taunt day after day. Saul wasn't going to go out there even though he was the most qualified and the one that should have done it. He wasn't going to go out there. And David comes down and he begins to get something inside of him. In fact, we read in 1 Samuel 17 that he says something about, is there not a cause? And then following that chapter, that verse, he talks about how he had killed a lion and a bear. He is basically telling his past victories in order to bring him the courage that's necessary to go up against a present foe. So he tells Saul, I've got some history I'm willing to carry into my future. I got some things that I didn't like that the lion came. I didn't like that the bear came. In the moment, I didn't know how the fight was going to go. See, we always read the other side of the story, but you got to put yourself in the story when the lion showed up. You got to put yourself there when the bear showed up. David didn't know which way that was going to go. His confidence was he was by himself on a sheep's hill. 
He was on a hill with sheep. Nobody was around him when the lion came. The Bible says that he is the one who went after the lion and killed him. In other words, there were victories that he knew he had to bring into his present situation in order to have the courage to defeat something that was bigger than him. Because had he not brought it, he wouldn't have had the confidence to kill what was before him. But what we fail to connect is 1 Samuel 16. In 1 Samuel 16, just one chapter before, the same David on the hill is forgotten when the anointing of Samuel comes. And Samuel, we see all of this walking up and down. We see him talking to all the sons, 1 Samuel 16. And during that time when we see him doing that, the prophet stops and says, there's got to be more because it ain't none of these. Now, maybe you don't want to size this up for what it is, but let me go ahead and break it down for you. It's called rejection. It's when nobody sees in you what actually God sees in you. It's when nobody made room for you, and if it had not been for the voice of God, you'd still been on the backside of a hill somewhere doing the same thing you had done every day because it wasn't like your family was making any room for you. It wasn't like your friends were moving out of the way for you. None of them thought you were capable of doing what it is God thought you could do. It's called rejection. But here's what I want to connect. When we get to 1 Samuel 17, David didn't take his rejected place against Goliath. He didn't go back and say, well, I'm going to prove it now because I was rejected in chapter 16. I'm going to show them who I am. Because see, listen, that's the most of the ways that we take our past into our present. We do it through trying to prove what we are not. And then before long, we end up bringing the wrong past to the fight. Listen to me, Goliath only dies with the right memories. Had it been that he brought that past with him, he would have never had the courage to sustain himself against Goliath because rejection was an option always. But the deal was, as David said, I don't want to take everything from my past with me because everything doesn't serve me. Whatever I got on the plane with, I don't actually have to deplane with. I don't have to take it off the belt of the baggage claim. I can actually leave it there and only take with me what serves me. If I'm going to Hawaii and I only brought winter clothes by God leave the winter clothes at the gate you cannot you and I cannot walk into our next taking the wrong past with us let me speak prophetically over this house who we are and who we are becoming are not the same thing There are some good things we will leave behind, but there is some wisdom we have gained. We have gained that we are called as one. We have gained that we can be a multicultural church that can operate in the unity of the spirit. We have gained that the ability to compromise and be one together is in our DNA. We have gained that we are multi-generational, that we will not back up or shut up. We will become all that God called this house to be, whether you're three years old in a nursery or not. 95 sitting in the house we will be reaching you because it's what's in the past that we're bringing into our future but what we won't take is the days that things rose up against us what we won't take is the days people try to shut us down what we won't take is how people have talked about us what we won't take is the rejection the city gave us 
You got to know what's from the past you got to take into the future. Now, because I'm Tony Miller's daughter, I can say this, but not many people could. There are some things that died with Bishop. You listen to me. You cannot idolize. You cannot idolize. You and I cannot idolize a man. He was a man. God buried Moses and told nobody where he was at because he knew that the children of Israel would go and just live at his grave because they loved him. You can love and not idolize. You can honor and not stay there. The one thing that Bishop Tony Miller would not want is us to live at the grave of his memorial and not carry this torch forward. We got to know what's from the past we take into the future. What we take is our faith. What we take is the courageousness that he demonstrated. What we take is the words and the seeds that Pastor Kathy's talked about. That's what goes. Number two, we have to recognize faith is often revealed pain before it's revealed purpose. Now I'm gonna give my husband all the credit for this one because we were riding down the road. I was working on my notes yesterday and I was already prepared to put something else in here. And I said something to Jason about we're riding down 178th. And I said, you know, this will be the last time you and I ride down 178th as Oklahoma City citizens. And Jason turned to me and he said, sometimes Faith is painful. Now here's where I want to just connect the dots for a minute. When God told Noah to build an ark, it got lonely. It was painfully lonely. Nobody saw what he saw. Nobody believed what he believed. Nobody was letting him come preach a different sermon than the one sermon he had. His sermon was about something he never saw about something he had never done, about something that was coming he had never thought. That's the kind of guy you want to have every week in your church, right? The same thing. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know where it's coming from. All I know is it's coming. Same message, 100 years. It was painfully lonely. Listen to me. Your faith goes through pain before you understand its purpose. You come off the mountain too quick, you will miss what your faith could do. There was a boy that was story years ago in National Geographic, and it was of this boy. And this boy was walking by, and he was actually like 10 years old. And I don't know if you remember National Geographic. They used to do this thing with kids. Kids would tell something they did. Anyway, he was telling the story of walking by a cocoon one day, and this is a very unusual thing before cell phones, and, and he was walking by a cocoon one day, and there was this very small little silver lining in the cocoon where it was breaking open. And so he got his magnifying glass, and, and he bent down to see what it was in the cocoon, and he realized that the butterfly that had been a caterpillar, had become a butterfly, was now working, and it was, it was, it was now trying to get out of the cocoon. And he stood there for a long time, according to him, and, and he had watched with this magnifying glass this, this butterfly breaking out of its cocoon, this painfully lonely place. 
But after a while, he realized the struggle that was in the butterfly trying to get out. So he took his little pocket knife and he just slit a little bit further to help the butterfly get out. And of course the story goes on that the butterfly gets out of the cocoon. And as soon as he takes flight, his wings demonstrate and show that he did not have the strength to make it to the rest of the butterflies. So the little boy tells his story. So of course I'm interested in this and I go back and research. And what I find out is, is that during the process of the slit in the cocoon, is there is a serum that is released in the cocoon. And in that serum, it attaches to the wing set of a butterfly. And when it attaches to it through the struggle of the process of trying to get out, it grows stronger and stronger. So what a boy thought he was helping, he was actually hurting because faith is painful. You and I are in the slit of the cocoon, but God is not going to come along and take his pocket knife and slit that cocoon open any sooner than what is correct for you. Because if he does that, you and I will be weaker, not stronger. Because there's something being released in our pain that is causing us to grow stronger so that when that cocoon breaks off of our life, we're able to fly at the level God intended. Listen to me. You may feel like you've been in the cocoon too long, but I refuse to bring my pocket knife to you because I believe that what is happening in you may feel painful, but its purpose is coming out. Think about Joseph. Mary's Joseph. It had to have been painfully embarrassing to take on a wife you knew you didn't impregnate. Ain't nobody believing that story. You walk 30 years embarrassed in some way, faith-filled, but it's painfully embarrassing. Think about Abraham. Abraham in the Hebrews chapter 11, when it says by faith, he left his home. It's difficult to leave what you know. Listen to me, because I love you, I'm going to tell you. If I stayed, it would hurt us. I'm going to talk on this side. I'm going to say it because mom and I talked about it, so I feel okay. Is that okay, mom? Is this okay? It would hurt us if I stayed. Because we have to learn not only how to invest in something, we have to learn how to take the lid off of this church. It is not my faith taking us, it is our faith going. We are expanding. We are not declining. This is not a loss, this is a gain. This is not us staying in Oklahoma City and Jason and I going to England. This is about the multiplication and the enlargement of who we have always been called to be. Let me remind us 12 years ago when Dale Gentry stood on this platform and he prophesied that we would have gate churches eventually in London and in Rome and in Barcelona and into the ends of the earth. And then he named three or four cities in Oklahoma. Let me tell you what Bishop and I talked about on November the 14th sitting in my driveway that this 
this was the beginning of that that had been spoken to us that we were enlarging our territory we were not saying well I'm leaving you and going to you no 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 our faith may feel painful but the revealed purpose is coming because the lid over this house is coming off we will not be an Oklahoma City church we will not even be a regional church we will be a worldwide expression of the gospel because that was God's inherent intention and it will be what we are I'm no better I'm just the chosen one this time we have to learn how to send because when we learn how to send, God can bring. But if we keep getting fat on the inside and we never enlarge ourselves, we never go through the embracing of the stretch, we'll never be able to become all of what God has. Listen to me. You say, you may look around and say, well, there's, a, there's still seats in this auditorium. Not for long. Because the lid is coming off. Number three. In order for us to embrace the stretch, come on, Ashley, or I'm never going to stop. This is my last time, brother, you and me and Jesus. In order to embrace the stretch, we must reject smallness. We must reject smallness. Now, I've had a lot of privileges talking to people in this room, spending lunches, times together, but see, sometimes you can sit with people and their words make them small. They don't live in a small house. They don't have a small job. They don't have small influence, but they think they're small. They talk small. They think small. Everything they think about is about them. Let me tell you what smallness is when it's all about you. When your prayer life's about you, when the next is about you, when where we're going is about you, when everything's about you, that's called smallness. You want to know when you think small? When everything just revolves around you. When the whole world's about you, that's small. That's why we refuse to become those people here. Someone asked me recently and said, how come we don't have more prophets that come to prophesy individually to each person here? So this is what I was asked like three weeks ago. I said to him, I said, that's small thinking. Because you want an individual word and you forfeit the corporate word you get every week. Because it's about you. Now, don't get me wrong. I have no, no disregard for prophetic words. But what I have a disregard for is when you need one to keep moving. You can start small and not be small. You can start small and not be small. You have to reject smallness. That means that you and I cannot constantly think about what it is we're losing. I refuse. Now you say, well, this is just you talking, you just preaching it, you just praying 19 hours a day. Listen to me, I've been cleaning out cabinets for so many days, I'm so sick of those cabinets. I'm like, give it all away. I don't even care what's in there. It could be a million dollars, I'm just like, give it away. I'm sick of it. That's not so. I'm rejecting smallness by knowing I am not leaving and we're not losing. We are moving forward. Anytime you're following the voice of God, you're not thinking small.
because God's never thought small. But I will tell you this, God's not afraid to use small to do great things. Gideon started out with a lot of people. He did a lot of great things. He was already afraid. He already didn't want to do it. He needed God to tell him at least three times what it was he was doing. He needed God to come down, well, put a little water on the sheepskin. Tell me a little word. I mean, it was amazing what he needed from God just to even get up and go after the soldiers he actually had. And then when he gets to the soldiers, God says to him, well, that is still too many. And so then he, he loses half of those. And then God comes back and says, that's still too many. Can you imagine being Gideon? You already needed three confirmations to do one thing God told you. And now God's taking away everything. Now, maybe you and I don't know what this feels like, but I feel like Gideon at this present moment in my life, I feel like I started out in November knowing what I was doing with Tony Miller, and then come January, that all changed. I started with 18,000 troops, not because I needed my dad, but because I wanted him. God said, no, 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 uh-uh, still too many, still too many. You know why? This is what the Lord said to Gideon. You know why I gave you 300? Holly said it on Wednesday. Because if I'd have given you more, there's a chance I wouldn't have gotten the glory for it. I needed everybody to know, every Midianite, every one of the Israelites, I needed everyone to know who got this victory, who brought this forth. So I reduced you down, not to a number that you understand, not a number you're comfortable with, not a number that you think's great. I reduced you down to the most uncomfortable place you could get. Not because you didn't trust me or love me. I did it so that I could get the glory. Let me tell you something. God's enlarging us, but we can't take small thinking into where we're going. That means you need to stop talking about your safe seat. Your lead usher role. I'm going to help change the course of history. Oh, there ain't nobody listening. That's all right. I'm going to do it anyway. You know why? Because we're rejecting small thinking. I'm not going to walk by the person I don't understand in the hall that I don't know and only go talk to the people I do know that I could text any time in the week. I'm not going to leave at 12.05 because I've got the dinner reservation when there's people sitting at the altars that need a touch from God and I'm mature enough to go help them. We are rejecting smallness. Let me tell you what smallness does. It isolates you, it's about you, and the whole world has to revolve around you. And I'm telling you at the Gate Church, that's the opposite of where we're going. So if that is what you need, you better dismount now. Because there is a hurting world that needs the embrace of the church. There is a people who are calling out our name. There is a people in Oklahoma City that are sitting on the corners as a prostitute today that doesn't want to sell their body. But nobody has come to tell them that Jesus can restore their life. There are kids that have nowhere to sleep, but no one's building them a bed. There are children that don't have anything to eat, but no one's bringing them food. There are that are falling apart, but no one's telling them to keep going, not because we're incapable, not because we don't have the message, but because we're thinking small. I refuse to drive by and watch my city 
to hell and leave it to somebody else. I refuse to look at Piedmont, Oklahoma and say, everything about this is fine. The government's got it. All I got to do is show up on Sunday. All I got to do is love people when I run into them. No, 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 no. Where are the people I can be sent to? Where is the stretching I can do? store they saw the woman they said something's wrong today I need to talk to her they went down the street and said my neighbor needs me today I've never talked to them before but something's going on because see now God's able to illuminate and enlarge you want to know how this church is going to grow it's going to grow through your voice it's going to grow through your microphone it's going to grow through your depth it's going to grow because you're going to say I refuse to be small I'm not going to think small I'm not going to act small I'm not going to be small. I'm rejecting smallness. And as a church, we're going to walk in to the bigness God has given us. We're stretching out our tents. We're lengthening our cords. We're strengthening our pants. Because the world is waiting on our the same God we are of kingdom culture together I want to understand him he wants to understand me I'm not rejecting where he came from I'm learning but let me tell you what I want to do this is so weird the worship team you're gonna sing and you're gonna sing well but you're gonna do it backed up I need y'all back up here's what I want you to do if you're ready to enlarge you're ready to put your faith on display you're rejecting smallness. This is our time to come to this platform together. Absolutely together. Now, I'm not asking you to take the hand of somebody you don't know if you're uncomfortable with COVID, but I am telling you, God's bigger than that. Amen. I don't care if you wear a mask, that's fine. I'm not upset. 
But I will tell you this, God, I need somebody to move this whole thing, this whole thing. I need them to move this table. I need the table moved. Here's what I want to do. Anybody in this room, you're ready to go. You're with the gate. Now listen to me. Do not come up here if you are not a part of this church and you want to go forward. Because God's going to put responsibility on you you ain't ready for. I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm just telling you. If you're ready to go, they're going to sing. I want you to join me up here as a movement. Because this is a sign that we are rejecting the smallness and the ceilings we have been living under. And we are doing Revelation chapter 3. We are coming up higher. We are coming to a new level. We are connecting to what's not like us, but is us. We are connecting to what doesn't seem like it should work, but it will work. Because we are bigger on the inside than we have ever been. So we're getting ready to sing. I want you to come. Come join Songo and I as we come up higher. All over the platform. All over. Come on. Pack it in. Thank you, Songo.
Hallelujah. We just declare, we're just going to say over this house, over you joining us online, that we are stretching, we are following Jesus forward. And we declare he's enlarging our territory. He is lengthening our cords. How many of you know we're... we're Pastor Amanda's got us in a corporate gate church mode, but how many of you know that you can begin to exercise faith right now over me and my household, over me and my family, over my future? God's enlarging the place of my dwelling. He's given me greater space. So, Father, we receive the word of the Lord today, and we say we'll stretch. God, we'll experience good pain. We'll experience good struggle. And, Lord, you're enlarging us through it all in Jesus name we pray amen amen and amen wow wow come on let's give the Lord praise wow wow pastor Amanda well where's Ashley at Ashley yes Ashley pastor Amanda just enlarged your front line she just absolutely took the worship team to another level. This is amazing. Well, we, we've got a couple of important things we want to continue our service with. So I think the best thing to do is to release you back to your seats now. We, we, uh, we're grateful for Pastor Amanda's radical obedience. And I love this sign of togetherness. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for responding, and we've got a couple of different ways that we want to we want to thank uh, Pastor Amanda for the word today, and we want to thank her, Pastor Jason, and their whole family for. You can be seated, guys. Thank you so much. You can be seated for just a minute. We want to. Uh, uh, we have we have some things that are just in our heart to do for them that are special, but I just believe we just need to respond to the word that she just delivered to us. And just stretch right now. We knew we were going to receive a love offering for her and for this family as they get ready to embark on this new season. So I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to that right now in this moment. 
and just say, God, how can I just put my faith and my stretch and my finances with this family as they go forward? We're committing to bless and support and send them, but we are going to do it today in this offering. And I just think what an incredible way to say, man, I want what she's preaching, what she's declaring to manifest in our life. I'm going to join my faith with them in this offering. And so online or on campus, there's very important. It's a little bit different. So I just want you to pay attention as you get ready to give, whether you're giving on an envelope or if you're giving in any of the digital ways, there's a category, a designation called special offering. I think they're going to put that on the screen for you right there. If you're giving by cash app, then we want you to put special offering in the memo or the note of the cash app gift that you make. And if you're giving by app or text to give or online or any other way, make sure you designate that. With digital giving these days, that becomes very important. It's hard for our finance, it's impossible for our finance office to know which offering was received when if you don't do that because. It's digital, and so uh, that's very important because we want to make sure that we're sowing into this opportunity and this purpose and this family in this moment. So that's why we did this separate, and so just want to really emphasize that. Guys, if you're online and you're giving today, just please remember that. Make sure that you just designate special offering in this offering. And so what we're going to do is we'll receive the offering in just a minute, but you can go ahead. I'm going to encourage you right now just to respond to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And I believe he's telling you to stretch. I got one amen when I said that. I'm going to try that one more time. I believe he's telling you to stretch. Amen. So we're stretching as a church. And so you begin doing that now. You can go ahead and give digitally now if you want to. At the very end, Pastor Kathy's getting ready to share some things that the Lord's put in her heart. And then we'll, uh, we'll bring, if you're going to bring your offering, we'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. But uh, we're going to do this together today. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the day the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice in it. Hallelujah. What a message, Pastor Amanda. Thank you so much for bringing the word today. I just have a few things I, I needed to read this morning. And if we could turn the keyboard way, way down. Um, we can keep playing, but please have it down a little bit. You know, you know this day is going to come, but you never know what season it will come in. But there's always a seed time and harvest. And sometimes you plant seeds in the spring or in the fall and things come up in the spring. Sometimes you plant things in the spring and they come up in the fall. But there's always a seed time and harvest. Nothing ever changes in seed times and harvest. There can be an earthquake, a tornado, or anything else. But seed time and harvest is always there. This morning, I get the honor to lay hands on and pray and send this beautiful family into the next. Pastor Jason, Amanda, Brooklyn, Kate, and Talia, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for being seed carriers to the next generation and to this generation. Thank you for the 15 years here at the Gate Church. Thank you for all the other years before the Gate. Thank you for being faithful 
thank you for everything. I've watched Pastor Jason since he was 16 years old when he came into our lives. I remember the first time Pastor Amanda invited him to one of our church services and we were doing the Living Lord's Supper, which was a play and most Christians would know that's a play. But Jason, not knowing the Lord, he was ready for supper. And he asked Amanda, when is supper? And of course, we weren't having supper. We had a lot of actors acting like they were eating supper with fake grapes. And from that time on, a seed was planted into his life about our, our Lord, Jesus Christ, the one that we live for. He became a believer and he said yes to the gospel. Now, 20 some years later, he's journeyed with Christ and he's become a steadfast man for the gospel of Jesus Christ. His quietness sometimes can be misinterpreted, but his quietness is strength and faith. Faith is in you. You're a strong man of God, Jason Connor. And the best is yet to come. You're getting ready to walk into your next like you've never known before. I've carried this Bible up here today because this is my husband's Bible. And ever since his passing, I've never come to church without it. And I thought it was significant that I brought this today again. Even though he's not here, he's here. And I know that he's so proud of you. And he loved you. You fulfilled every job there was to do here at the Gate Church. Even when you didn't know what to do, you learned how to do it. When people weren't watching, you were still faithful. And I want to thank you for that. The Gate wants to thank you for that. Thank you. Pastor Amanda, Amanda, Mandy, Amanda, Amanda Brooke, all the ones that we've called you over the years. I've watched you. Obviously, I birthed you. So I've watched you from the very beginning. There was one thing that I'll just say this. I don't have this in my notes. But when I became pregnant and wanted, began began to be a mom, the one thing I wanted to make sure is that I had a Christian Holy Ghost doctor. That the first person that was going to, when I birthed the baby that touched my children would know God. And I made sure that that doctor was, was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when Amanda, when you were born, the doctor touched you first. And immediately he began to pray over you in the Holy Spirit. We dedicated you that day with the doctor to the Lord. And I don't know if you ever knew that, but I wanted to share that with you today. It's not on my notes. <clears throat> but I've watched you grow up in your hunger for the word, your eagerness to learn more, your faith to move forward. You never gave up. 
your tenacity to never let go of what God told you and what are you were supposed to do. You're a strong woman of God. Again, like your husband, full of faith. I want to thank you for what you've done for the Gate Church. Even when you didn't know, you learned. When people weren't there, you were there. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for standing beside your dad and I, you and Jason, in the good times and in the bad times, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. And these girls did too. I'm not leaving them out. They're my beautiful daughters as well. And they all have pretty heels on today. And I have tennis shoes. And so you say, why does she have tennis shoes on? I have tennis shoes because I have a pulled muscle in my thigh. And I can't wear heels right now. Even if I didn't have a pulled muscle, I'd probably wear tennis shoes. <clears throat> but the point is, is that I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. There's no words to the gratefulness. Brooklyn, Caden, and Talia. My precious children. We will miss you. But we thank you. Brooklyn, you played the piano in youth. You were faithful. Brooklyn, you led worship and you were faithful. Brooklyn, there were many times that you picked up kids for youth that nobody saw. And you were faithful. You paid for people's youth dinners and Chick-fil-A's that nobody ever saw. But you were faithful. Brooklyn, I want to thank you for what you've given while you were here to the gate. You get to live with me now, so you're still going to be here. So Brooklyn gets to live with me. Isn't she happy? <laughs> <laughs> and so Caden, thank you for being you thank you for your steady eddy steadfastness and thank you for being a friend to others thank you for your wittiness and boldness for the kingdom of God thank you for inviting kids to church even when they were unchurched thank you for what you've done for the gate and for what you're doing thank you Caden you're a wonderful young man and Papa would be proud of you. Tally, thank you for your sweet, innocent way. Thank you for being creative. God's going to use you. You're a lot like your grandma, so I know he's going to use you. And uh, so I want to thank you, Tally, for being a friend. And I want to thank you for being a friend to others. And God's going to use you in a very special way. And to all three of you, your papa would be so proud of the steps that you're taking and the seeds that you're taking his seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said I wasn't going to cry. I really practiced. But here I am. I'm going to hurry. But if you'll just... Stay with me for a few minutes. In 1981, Amanda, you were just a little girl. We were living in Orange, Virginia. I was in the kitchen and canning vegetables. Yes, I know how to do that. Actually, I'm really good at it. 
and she was just a little girl, the only girl at home at the time. And I wanted her to stay on the other side of the kitchen because when you're canning and you have pressure cookers, I didn't want anything to happen to her. And so I put all of her toys on the other side of the room and I said, now you have to stay over here and mom's gonna stay over here. And obviously there was a problem. So me and my brilliant parenthood way, I decided to take a piece of chalk and I put it right down where I didn't want her to come past in the kitchen. And I said, Amanda, you were like three years old, two and a half. Don't come past that line because you don't need to be on this side of the kitchen. And this is what she would do. And I said, Amanda, on the other side of the line. And she'd go back over and play. And then I'd start working again. And guess what she did? To the line. I said to her, if you do that one more time, now this is when you spanked your kids, I'm going to beat your tail. Now, I beat my tail's kids' tail. I don't know what people do now, but anyway, I beat them good. <laughs> and I used their dad's belt. Now, don't judge me. Come on now. But when I was spanking him, it was, I beat myself because his belt was so long, I hit them and it hit me. Boom, 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 boom. I was bruised by the time I got enough beating them. You said, beating's a big word. No, it was a good word at that time. Now, my husband had a different philosophy. He would say, now I really feel that the discipline of these children should come like with one, one lick, two licks or three licks well because they were girls they never got one lick hardly you know and so he he, did, he just tried to talk his way through it because they were girls he was afraid he was going to hurt the girls I wasn't a bit afraid to hurt the girls but he was anyway she got a spanking because she kept going over the line and I took her back and sat her in the chair I said okay if you're going to go over the line, you're not even playing with your toys, you're going to sit in the chair. She cried and cried and cried. And so, you know, you kept coming over the line, and so, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And that's all I have to say about that story. But I thought about this story last night, Manda, when I was thinking about this day. And even as a little girl, you were always stepping over the line. You thought you might be missing something in the kitchen. But Amanda and Jason, Brooklyn, Talia, Connor, there's no more lines. Your line is now before you. You've crossed over. God has erased the line and now it's your time to step over and step up into the next of what God has for you. Hebrews 11 says 8 through 10 by the act of faith Abraham said yes 
to the call to travel to an unknown place that we become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going, but by the act of faith, he lived in the country, promised him. He lived like a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on the unseen city. With the real external foundations, this city was designed and built by God. Today is the day we have the opportunity to be a part the Gate Church to be a part of Manda and Jason's next. Just as the footprints of their lives are enlarging, our footprints are enlarging. This morning, we prepared for you a gift. If it'll come out, please. This gift is special because it's the notes your dad's cup outside the lines. Your dad preached this sermon the very first time in 1997. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then his quote was, anyone can do the possible, but it takes people of faith to do the impossible. Color Went, he went out not knowing where he was going and he dwelt in a foreign land and your dad's quote was if you are only willing to obey what you can comprehend you'll be too late outside Hebrews 8 by faith he dwelt in a land of promise in a foreign country his quote the more we color outside the lines the more we hear God's voice calling and this is our Kairos moment. Grace will meet us when we step across the lines. Tony Miller, 1997. Your dad told a story, Amanda and Jason, Brooklyn, Talia, and Connor, your papa, in this sermon when he was in kindergarten. And his teacher sent him home with a note. And she said, Tony, to his parents, needs to learn how to color inside the lines. If he doesn't learn how to color inside the lines, it's going to affect his future. Well, we know how that worked out, right? And his parents responded and said, who said that horse has to be colored inside the lines? Who said that that horse has to be brown? Who said, my husband would tell me, who said that that cowboy hat has to be brown? Why can't it be red? He refused to color inside the lines. He would re his response on this sermon that he preaches. Some of you have been living inside the lines. These lines have been drawn by everybody else around you but God. And I'm here to tell you today 
that there's a but God in our future. We live in a generation that we all want guarantees. And there's not always a guarantee, but there's a but God. Your dad and I never allowed anyone to draw lines around us or contain us for what God had put in our heart. The more we colored outside the lines, the more we heard God's voice calling us. Today, Jason, Amanda, Brooklyn, Talia, Kanan, the voice, God's voice is now calling you. This is your moment. As you step across the line, grace is going to meet you there. Grace is going to meet you there. Pastor Jay. some that aren't here because of illness and some may not be in the building but Pastor Kathy said she told me before service she said I don't know if I'll be able to get through this and I think I should have told her I don't know if I will either that was that was uh, we're gonna just join together is anybody else coming we're gonna get Pastor Kathy over here with me Church, we're just going to pray and, and declare over the Connor family. I want you just to extend your hands this way and let's just believe. We're not finished, so we're not going to pray and go. we got some more things to do. God's given us some prophetic things to just share and, and give, so we want to do that right now. But come on, let's just extend our hands right now with our team and this family. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for a legacy of faith. We thank you, Lord, for a legacy of bold, audacious faith that steps outside the lines and that moves beyond the realms of normal and the realms of possible. And so, Lord, we just thank you for Pastor Jason. We thank you for Pastor Amanda. We thank you for Brooklyn and Caden and Talia, Lord. And we just say that this whole family together with their parents is saying yes to you, yes to a new season, yes to things that are unknown. And so, Lord, we pray for the peace of God over every, every one of these children. Lord, we thank you that you're guarding their hearts and their minds. And tell you, we just declare over you that the Lord is going with you and he's going before you. And then there's nothing to fear, that God has good things in store for you. So we speak the peace of God over you. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit surrounding her. And we thank you, Lord, for Brooklyn and for Caden. We thank you, Lord, for all anxiety and all concerns, Lord, to be put to rest by the Spirit of the living God. We thank you, Lord, that you have an assignment for each one of them in this season and that you're releasing good things to them, God. So we surround these children with our faith and with our prayers today and we thank you that your promises that you are with them in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Pastor Jason and Pastor Amanda we just pray for you right now and I just hear the Spirit of God saying that as you go to England it's going to be a season even this week when you arrive there that it's going to be a season of discovering wells of revelation and digging new wells of revelation 
And Pastor Amanda, I just hear the Spirit of God saying that you are going to draw from uh, the inheritance, the wells of your Father's revelation. But God's thrusting you into a season that you move beyond that and that you're standing on a foundation that you are going to begin to discover new wells and dig new wells that are beyond where your Father had opened things to you. But I just hear God saying that you're in the land of revelation. You're in the land where His historic things exist and God's sending you there on assignment to open up new wells. So we just lay hands on you today and we just declare that inside of you, you're becoming a wellspring of living water. And we declare, God, that in Coventry, England and everywhere that Amanda goes, God, you're opening up new springs of living water. And that as she opens her mouth to teach and declare the word of God, that new things, new rivers would flow, things that have never flown from her before, things that have never been seen or entered her heart before, Lord, they would break open like rivers of living water. And we declare, God, that the thirsty and the parched land is going to receive fresh water, Lord, fresh living water. And we just declare that Pastor Amanda is just taking things deeper and further than she's even imagined in her natural mind. And so, Lord, we just say, open up the wells of revelation. Open up, God. We just speak to the nation of England, and we say, God, that the wells that have been covered up and clogged up, God, that they'll be redug, and that, Lord, there'll be new life that springs forth. And we just declare a multiplication anointing over her and over the house that you're sending her to serve, God. And we declare that the things that she's declared for the gate, God, they would spring forth because they're in her as wells of revelation. So we declare over that house that they will receive a multiplication of everything that you're doing, that they'll not be in one location or one region or even one nation, God, but they'll begin to spring up all over Europe in the name of Jesus. Pastor Jason, I just declare over you that you are not just entering a new season, but you're entering into a whole new chapter of your life. You are entering into a whole new expression of who you are. And I just declare over you, Pastor Jason, the word of the Lord out of John, and it says, there came a man sent from God, and his name was John. But I want to declare over you today that there came a man sent from God. His name was Jason. And I just hear the Spirit of God saying, you're coming into your sent season. That you're not just going with your wife and you're not just going alongside your wife, but you're going as a man sent from God. And that you're entering into your sent season. And that there will be people in England. I hear the voices of men in England saying, there came a man sent from God. His name was Jason. He had the word of the Lord for us. His story was for us. His identity was for us. His personhood was for us. He is a man sent from God. And I just declare over you that this is a season that the word of the Lord is going to flow through you effortlessly, that you're going to open your mouth in conversation and open your mouth in discipleship and in ministry, and that rivers are going to flow from you without effort or strain because this is your season. I want to declare that the second half of your life is a half of your life that you will say, I was built for this. I was born for this. I was sent into this by God. So, man of God, we release you into the second half of your life, and we release you into your sent 
season in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we call this family blessed. We say every need they have will be supplied. We say everything that they need will be supplied, that this is a season of abundance. This is a season of grace. This is a season of your goodness over this family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I just want to do one more thing, and then I want to speak to the Gate Church. We're giving uh, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Jason, Brooklyn, Talia, and Caden. I was, because this whole theme is about your dad's coloring outside the line. There's nothing fancy about this. But as I was looking for crayons yesterday, I had no idea that they had crayons that say crayon colors all over the world. Presenting these crayons to your family today, they're not ordinary crayons. They're every skin color. They're every eye color. They're every hair color. And they represent the world. As you walk into the world that God has called you to, and your footprint becomes larger. The gate church footprint becomes larger. As your footprint walks in favor, the gate church footprint begins to walk in favor. Gate church, I believe that just as Bishop preached this sermon so many years ago, his quote was, I found out that people that make the biggest impact in life are those people that will color outside the lines. These people are contagious people. They're, they don't know exactly what's going to happen, but they still trust God. These people are willing to do what, whatever needs to be done because they trust God. There are people that aren't knowing in that what's required of them, but they're going to go anyway because they trust God. We're looking for a people and a company of believers and a family that will say yes to whatever's required for the footprint to go larger at the gate church. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to color outside my lines. I want the gate church to color outside our lines. Hallelujah. Just as their foot enlarges, our footprint enlarges. So today I've prepared, we've prepared uh, just a symbol, just, just, a, just a little thing that you can take with you this morning. And we're going to have our pastoral team come down. And I just want you to get a pack of crayons. I want you to pick up a pack of crayons. And when you take these crayons, they're to remind ourselves that this is the moment that God has called us to. This is the moment that we're stepping out in faith. Not just Amanda and Jason stepping out in faith, but we're stepping out in faith. The gate church has nations to go to. The gate church has nations to see. The gate church has places we need to go in this city, in this nation in this community, and this is our Kairos moment, a moment in time that we are called to for this city. So these crayons are not just any crayons. They're just a reminder that when you go home today, that wherever you go, you're coloring outside your lines. There's nations to take.
There's preachers in this building. There's missionaries here. There's youth pastors in here that you never thought you'd be a youth pastor. There's children's church people in here. There's people. There's business people. God is about to take this church and this community of people to a different place than we've never seen before. Ears have not heard and eyes have not seen what God is going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you just, are you with me? Hey, I know it's been a long service, but he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. So today, if you've prepared your offering, we just want to say, come lay it on the altar. If you have envelopes and get your box of crayons, we love you so much. Thank you, pastors. Jason and Amanda, your children, thank you for everything you've done. Of course, I'm your mom and I'll be in England a lot. And so we love you so much, Pastor Jay. Amen.